tip in the air, caught by the Bengals. AJ Green. It's complete. Caught by Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Touchdown. Remarkable. Oh, oh, it's That's William Jackson. No one near him. Uh, it's going to go to Mixon, dancing around, edging to the right, inside the five, high-stepping into the end zone. Here's the first time, Burrow to the end zone, wide open, touchdown, it's Higgins. Welcome back, everybody, to episode four of the Bengals Report podcast. Hi, I'm Jake Circus. joined alongside, as always, Blake Jewell. This is our second episode together, and uh, we have a very exciting guest for episode four episode. of the Bengals Report podcast. We're bringing in Bengals Perspective, uh, also known as Jay, in for this episode. My man, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. It's just uh, a little late and uh, getting some homework done, but uh, now I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we can talk about, but of course, the news that you know, happened yesterday during the Bengals football team game. Joe Burrow did go down with a left knee injury, and it was reported earlier today that it, it indeed was a torn ACL and a torn MCL. There is more damage. We don't know for sure. We don't know the timetable. Of course, we don't know because Zach Taylor never says anything during his interviews. But, Blake, uh, I mean, I, I guess you can kick it off. What were your initial reactions when this happened? Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we all were watching it when it happened, but – like, what are your thoughts over the last, you know, 36 hours, 24 hours? Yeah, I mean, the initial reaction was I was at a little watch party for it, and there's a group of people there, and everybody was talking and watching the game, and they showed Burrow down holding his leg, and I never heard a group of people get so silent so fast. It was just everybody was just worried all of a sudden. I, I, felt, I mean, I felt sick. Like, I just wanted to throw like, it. That was, like, my worst nightmare all season. <laughs> And uh, so that kind of happened. I didn't even really feel like watching the rest of the game. I just kind of went home and uh, watched it by myself for a little bit. And uh, it, it just sucks. Uh, you know, it. The, we've been kind of worried all season, uh, just like uh, him with him getting hit all these times and getting sacked and all that stuff. But just to see it happen and uh, it just it's been a rough, you know, ever since it happened, it's been kind of rough just to remember that it happened. So uh, I think that. You know, I don't think that Burrow's going to come back and be much different than he is now. I think he's just going to be the same guy. So, it just sucks that we're not going to have him the rest of this season, but I'm excited for him to come back next year. Yeah, and uh, for me, I I think my immediate thoughts went towards the offensive line. And, I mean, after seeing that that hit, I I, I knew it was at least an ACL and an MCL, and everything else would have just been extra on top of that. I mean – with the way that knee bended, we knew he was out for the year immediately. So that was kind of the size of the point. And I just, I don't know, I kind of resorted to some anger over how the whole offensive line situation was handled. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, I, I think this, when you watch that play, there's two things that stand out. One is uh, our right tackle with energy. He was just completely manhandled and he, he blocked Burroughs way out from uh, from kind of <clears throat> escaping that hit or getting past that hit. And then obviously with Michael Jordan, who essentially tackled Jonathan Allen into uh, Joe Burrow, it was just the combination of Jordan's obvious mistake and identity allowing the pocket to collapse is kind of just what led to that injury. And it kind of just speaks to uh, how, how lackadaisical the Bengals approach towards the offensive line was this season and ultimately it costed their, their uh, pride and joy their the rest of the season. So that's kind of my thoughts on that, but uh, you know what? It, it's over. It is what it is. And we just got to build the team from this point forward and hope, hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, a, there's a ton of, you know, moving parts here and a, a, a ton of stuff that, that just still needs to be unpacked, whether or not, you know, he's going to be back for 2021 or, the beginning of, of 2021, we totally hope he, he will be. And, you know, Carson Palmer had his stuff in, two, in 2006 when he tore his ACL in, in the January playoff game of, of January of 2007. And then he, or no, 2006, my mistake. And then, you know, he, he came back and he played in the, in the first preseason game. Uh, all, you know, a lot different back then. So there's, there's reason to, to be optimistic there. Same with, with, with uh, Giovanni Bernard, Clinton Boiling also, you know, both them, had had similar ACL MCL injuries in the past for Cincinnati. So 
there's there's tons of of reasons to be optimistic, but man, it's it's just it, it's franchise killing. It's killing. Like, just thinking yeah. about it, it's 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 like Dak, like Dak with with Dallas, Tom Brady with England, <laughs> like like this type of stuff is just completely just it, it just kills a franchise. And you know, like you said, Jay, the you know we we talked about it all season. When is this offensive line going to crack? You know, it's it's been playing a lot better recently heading into this game yesterday. And um, it, it finally happened. I, I mean, when, when you trot out left guard 32 out there, and you, something like this is, is just bound to happen. You know, a rookie at, at right tackle who, who everybody is, is super high on. Look, he's, he's, he's a rookie. You know, we don't know if, if Adenji is the long-term answer. He's probably not. But, you know, Bengals fans fall in love with, with, with one guy based on one performance. It was Fred Johnson last year. It was Akeem Adenji this year. But Michael Jordan's left guard, thirty-two guys, and it 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 finally kicked. And I hate to say it, but you know everyone who was outside of the organization, who who who's been outside of of this fan base, and you know they all talked about, oh, Joe Burrow's going to get killed behind that line, and you know everyone on on the interior was like, eh, I don't know, he's you know he 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 hides a lot of their flaw uh, a a lot of their flaws, but yesterday it, it turned out that you know. There's a lot of problems on this O line, and yeah, I mean, we even saw with Ryan Finley, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna point to. I mean, we saw Ryan Finley. I think he took what four sacks and ten dropbacks, fifteen dropbacks. Yeah, uh, pressured on, I believe, seventy-one percent of his dropbacks. Yep. And I, I think part of that is because the team, I mean, the team was rightfully just down, and they kind of just gave up. They lost their their captain. Their their starting quarterback, their franchise guy. But I mean, part of that was on Finley. I mean, Finley quite obviously stayed in the pocket too long. So I think there were some, the real in reality, it falls somewhere in the middle. Burrow did hide a lot of mistakes and Finley did amplify some of them. But I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough to, I mean, we all said it at the beginning of the season. It's tough to justify how the Bengals handled this offensive line situation. And Honestly, I don't think Adenogy was the big issue. I think the big issue was Michael Jordan. I think that's he's they've been giving him so many chances and he really he really has yet to show anything. I mean, they're kind of just they're trying him out there. I don't know if he has something against Jim Turner and he's making Jim Turner play him or something. I don't know, but like Michael Jordan is quite obviously one of the worst offensive linemen on the roster. I mean, there's no I, I think league. He's, he's one of the worst in the league. Not, I mean, one of the worst in the league, but yeah. But I mean, I, I think just with everyone we have on that roster, you got to think like, why, why is he the one starting? And I, I don't know. I think there's just a lot, there are a lot of different options out there for how they could have tried to the offensive lineup that didn't involve Michael Jordan. Um, but I mean, the, the issues are a lot deeper than just Michael Jordan. Obviously it comes down to coaching uh, and it does come down to personnel to a degree, but there, there's just so many issues with uh, the coaching staff in general, Jim Turner and the offensive line that are, it's just going to need to be revamped in the off season and just kind of redone and just blown up from the inside. Yeah. One, and one of my biggest worries has been, you know, over the years they have been, the Bengals front office, I, in my opinion, has deeply struggled to evaluate offensive linemen going into the draft. And, you know, you can point to that for, guys like Ablahi and Fisher, just like every time they take an offensive line or offensive lineman early, it seems just it doesn't pan out. Like Billy Price is another example. And, you know, I think, I think they did hit on Jonah Williams, and it can be kind of a worry for me in most years of them taking an offensive lineman. But if they get Sewell, he, I think he's going to be a home run. You don't really have to do much evaluating there. And you get, I mean, that wouldn't be hard to get wrong in my opinion. But, you know, Finding a guy in the draft this year, I think, is going to be another concern because I just don't think that the the people they have are very good at evaluating offensive line prospects. And uh, so I think that's definitely one of my big, big concerns. And as you pointed out, Jim Turner has been – you know, he's, he's been historically bad for wherever he's been. And I think he's been awful here. And they're, gonna, they're just going to need to find ways to move around and figure out a way that they can improve this offensive line. And I think it starts up all the way up at the top just – evaluating that yeah I I think it's a two-way street honestly I mean obviously 
they they suck at evaluating talent on the offensive line. I mean, you can go back to Cedric Obuihi. I don't think Jake Fisher was that bad of a pick, if we're being honest. I think that was a good pick that turned out bad. But, I mean, Cedric Obuihi certainly, uh, Russell Bodine, Billy Price. I mean, I can keep going. That's that's an issue in itself. But the other issue is that they not only do they make these bad picks, but they stick with them for so long. I mean, they stuck with Cedric Obuihi for how long? They've They stuck with Jake Fisher for how long? They stuck with Russell Bodine for how long? They doubled down on their mistakes, and that's that's why they are where they are now. That's that's exactly why. It took them what four or five years to move on from Russell Bodine. I mean, to me, that's that's almost as big of a problem as the drafting is. Yeah, and I, and I think another issue is they're they're finally after they're holding on to him for too long, and then they're all of a sudden realizing they have a problem, and they're trying to fix it. <coughs> sorry, they're trying to fix it with guys that. Uh, you know, have been cut by other teams like Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson. Like that's, I don't think, I mean, you'll see situations where that works out where they can get a guy that's been cut kind of like, I'm not saying Quentin Spain's worked out, but you'll get a guy like him every once in a while that'll play good. That's been cut by another team. But I just think that's incredibly, that's an incredibly hard way to build an offensive line by drafting guys. They're not working out. So then you bring guys that are, that didn't work out for other teams. Yeah. And I think, and I think you can afford to do that with, one starter on the line and even two in some cases but i mean when you look at it michael jordan trey hopkins i mean quentin spain fred johnson bobby hart i mean that's like half of our offensive line just right there then you can go to the late round picks in uh hakeem adenogy and uh alex redmond who is actually udfa that their entire line is made out of lower round picks sands billy price who was a busted first and jonah williams I mean, that's that's the main issue. They don't invest enough talent. And that's okay if you want these guys to be your reserves and even your fourth, third, and fifth starters. That's completely fine. But when these guys are your second, third, fourth, fifth best offensive linemen, and your only good offensive lineman is Jonah Williams, who you did spend that first-round pick on, that's when it becomes an issue. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't think having Bobby Hart as your fifth best – I mean, how Bobby Hart has played this year. I don't think having Bobby Hart as your fifth best offensive lineman is necessarily a bad thing if he's playing like he has this year. I don't think having Quentin Spain as your, hell, even your third or fourth best offensive lineman isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when Bobby Hart is your second, Quentin Spain is your third best offensive lineman when healthy this year, that's when you have a problem. I mean, really, like, when you're thinking about it in broader terms, Billy Price was their second option in the 2018 draft. I mean, they were all in, they were all in on 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 Frank Ragnow and the Lions sniped him at pick what 20 or 21st or were 22nd. So, like um they've, you know, B- Billy Price was supposed to be like the center that they've been waiting for for so long and, you know, the it it, it just bricked Cedric Abui bricked Drake Fisher bricked. We hope Jonah Williams isn't a brick. It, it doesn't a, a, appear to be that. But yeah, they're going to be picking in, in the top five, and they're going to be in a prime position to select probably Panay Sewell. I mean, I, I I think we're all bracing for that, right? Like it's probably going to happen. Um, I don't see how, how how Ryan Finley is supposed to win one two games on the remaining slate on the remaining slate of games. I, I mean. The two worst teams that the Bengals are facing are, are, are both teams who are competing for the division titles. So yeah. there's there's no reason for the Bengals to not lose out and 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 stay in the top three, but they keep they must keep you know putting resources in, into the, this offensive line. Michael Jordan cannot be out there next year. He's just not good. It, it was a bad pick in the fourth round. I mean, he won the starting job in his rookie year after being a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Like that, that that shouldn't happen, you know. You you shouldn't have to rely on Hakeem Adenogy as a, as a sixth round pick in his rookie year. Like they're gonna make mistakes, and Michael Jordan still is making rookie mistakes. Hakeem Adenogy is still making rookie mistakes, and when you combine that with you know with not stellar other interior play, I mean Hopkins has been decent this year. Spain has been all right in, in his time so far in Cincinnati. And even the the early mistakes that 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 Jonah Williams is making, just a very inconsistent all line it's it's not like they don't have players i mean they've they've used what six or seven different combinations of the offensive line this season like like they have players they just need to keep getting more resources and you know 
that's including midseason additions of uh, of BJ Finney, Quentin Spain, and and must needed offseason additions. Like they did not change the offensive line at all last year, other than getting Xavier Suafila, who's played what thirty snaps this season. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's it, yeah. it's just stuff needs to change. And you know, we saw firsthand yesterday, and it just still doesn't feel real that all this happened over the last thirty hours. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that needs to happen and we're going to touch on the draft in a little bit, but if assuming that we get another right tackle, assuming that we know we're either going to get Sewell or we're going to pay out the ass for Monton, uh, something like that. Assuming Taylor we're Monten? getting a new right tackle. What was that? Taylor Monton from Carolina. Yeah, Taylor Monton from Carolina. We should try and, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think the Bengals need to sit down and figure out, okay, do we think Bobby Hart has a legitimate chance to be an above average guard? If there is that chance, you play him at guard and you see play him there for the first for the next two games. And if he's above average, then you give him another game. And if he's not, move him back to right tackle. Hope he finishes out the year like he did earlier in the year. And then you try and trade him for something in the offseason. Because realistically, I mean, with how Bobby Hart has played this year, he can absolutely get something in the trade market. 100 percent I mean, he he has played he he this year he's played like an average tackle, and average tackles are worth a lot in the NFL. You might be able to get a fourth round pick for Bobby Hart in the offseason. Yeah, and, and Next, I mean, also also, um, you need to figure out what you have in BJ Finney, and you need to figure out what you have in Xavier Suafila. Mm-hmm. From not from here on out, Quentin Spain should be the starting left guard where he belongs. I don't think he should be a right guard. I mean, he played left guard his entire career except for uh, this year with the Bills. He's best at left guard. Put him at left guard. At right guard, I think you have to try out Xavier Suafila for a couple games and BJ Finney for a couple games. If one of them shows out to be above average, great. If not, they're cutting the offseason. You gotta you gotta use that money to get a real guard. So, those are my thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, go ahead, continue. But I think it all goes back to the glaring need at tackle at at, at right tackle. Like it, it's it's been that for forever. Like ever since the Bengals offensive line became really, really bad, the glaring need has been right tackle. And I, I talked to someone on Twitter last night. Who's like, Oh, the Bengals biggest need on the O line is their guard. Because you know, Michael Jordan is, is the one who, you know, got technically got Joe Burrow hurt. I mean, it's crazy to pin that on Michael Jordan. It's, it's crazy to say that, but at the end Honestly, of the day, it's not. I, fun. I think a long-term need, I think right tackle is more important than guard. But in terms of this year, I mean, I, I hate to I hate to disagree with you, but right our right tackles have played a whole lot better than our left guards. Have. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying like he was advocating to not take Sewell to to, to take oh, someone no, yeah, like that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. To, to, to take someone like Caleb Fairley or Greg Rosu. I know no. how to pronounce his last name by the you way. Have to, you have to take Sewell. I mean, right? I don't necessarily agree that right tackle is some. I mean, I think it's a need. I think. But I think going in next year with Bobby Hart and uh, Fred Johnson, Hakeem Energy at right tackle, I don't think that's the end of the world if you're no. upgrading the left guard spot. But, I mean, if you're in a position to take Panay Sewell, the best offensive tackle prospect in, in the last 30, decade. More. 30-plus years, I think. I, I Orlando, say, I think, I Orlando Pace. Say, he's an, okay, he's, I, I, I haven't been scouting long enough to be able to tell you that. <laughs> I don't think you have either, considering I'm two years older than you. But I, I think safely oh, – yeah generational last decade Panay Sewell is the best offensive tackle prospect I don't think you can pass up on on him for Bobby Hart or because you have Bobby Hart because you have sixth round pick at Kemet Energy because you have undrafted free agent Fred Johnson and that's coming from the biggest Fred Johnson fan that's out there because Fred Johnson I was huge on him coming out in the draft I I think he's still going to be a very successful tackle in the NFL but if you have the opportunity to take Panay Sewell you have to do it you just have to and just to have your bookend left and right tackle, like your bookend tackles for the next what eight to ten years, like it's Sewell, not. It's, it's not like you're drafting a guard top five. Sewell was literally Sewell literally just turned twenty like three months. Yeah, ago. yeah. I, I saw his Instagram birthday post. Yeah, he's, <laughs> guys. Yeah, he's, no, he's he's crazy young. I mean, you might have Sewell could be on this team for the next twenty years. I mean, that's that's how young he is, and. Jonah Williams might be on the team for the next 15 years. I mean, having your bookend tackles is so important in the NFL. And I think now is the time to do it because, I mean, you just you have to protect Burrow now. I mean, he already has one significant knee injury. You have to protect him. I mean, he's not going to be as mobile as he was. He's yeah. just not. Like, you have to account for that, and you have to protect him. 
not only this is also going to help the running game. I mean, the running oh, yeah. game has oh, been he's cool. amazing run game. He's he's ridiculous. Right, exactly. So I think that's what you got to do. Um, so I, I think my plan would be is assuming we're getting Sewell, I think you try out all those guys at guard. Um, if one of them shows to be above average, you keep him and you cut the other ones uh, to save money. And if none of them do, you keep the cheapest one, you cut the two most expensive ones, and you sign Joe Thune, you have Panay Sewell, and all of a sudden you have Jonah Williams, Panay Sewell, Joe Thune, Trey Hopkins, and Quentin Spain. And that's a top 10 unit, and you protect Burrow. Yep. That's, that's my plan. Yeah, and I, I've been saying it for probably not a while, but at first it kind of seemed like a hot take because I said if you take Panay Sewell, you're one trade and signing away from having an above average. Right, no, exactly, line. exactly. And, and that's, that's how I've seen it for a while. And I think that – and even – so let's say they take Sewell, and like you, like you said, what if one of those guys like Hart or somebody pans out at guard? They might not. It won't be as good as if you sign a free agent, but it's definitely a lot better than it is right now. And I think they're, they're exactly. Have and, and I will say this: the nice thing about this year, and this is me really searching for some something good on on this side of the fence. We're we're gonna we're we have really good depth now. I mean, even if we're not starting these guys, these guys are gonna be really good backups. I mean, for for as much shit as we give Michael Jordan, he he'd be one hell of a backup guard. He has so much starting experience. He'd be one hell of a backup guard. Same thing with. Xavier Suofilo, same thing with Bobby Hart. If, if you're going to keep him as a backup tackle or a backup guard, which I'm not sure that's the right right decision given the salary, but same thing with Fred Johnson. I mean, Fred Johnson is going to be one hell of a swing tackle. So this is giving us a lot of depth, and this is giving our depth good experience for when someone does go down. So that's try, that's me trying to find the bright side a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you have to take Panay Sewell. Uh, the only way I wouldn't consider taking Panay Sewell, and this is barring any trade back is if we're picking number one. And this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, but I think Trevor Lawrence has to be on the table. I'm not saying you draft him, but the conversation at least has to be had <laughs> just because um, no, listen, let me finish. Let me finish just because I've, I, we both, we just talked about the tweet before this episode. We talked about the tweet that supposedly Adam Schefter said torn ACL, MCL, meniscus and PCL with additional damage. If it's really that bad, if Joe Burrow is questionable to start the season, I think you have to consider. I, I think you I think you do because I think you can still get something for Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying do it. I love Joe Burrow. And if, it, if I were making the decision, I would keep Joe Burrow. But I think it has to at least be on the table. You have to at least entertain the option because Trevor Lawrence is a generational QB prospect. Burrow was too. And you, if you can still get something for Burrow, I think you have to make – you have to consider it because – we really have no idea what Joe Burrow will be after this. We saw a knee injury ruin Carson Palmer's career. I, I'm worried that that could happen again. And I, I, that's why I think it has to be on the table at least. Oh, well, of course, of course it's on the table. It's just crazy yeah. to think about, right? Like it's absolutely madness to, to think about. Yeah. And I, I, Joe Burrow's my guy 100%. Like I love Joe Burrow, but as a front office, if you're not at least sitting down and saying, like at least, like you said, entertaining the thought. Then I think you're kind of making a mistake because you just have to at least think that, like. Right. I mean, we saw what it did for the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen ten. Yeah. I was a huge Josh Rosen fan, and when they traded Josh Rosen, I was pissed. I was so mad because I was a big Josh Rosen fan coming out, and then they drafted Kyler Murray number one overall, and look where they're at now. They're doing really well for themselves. Kyler Murray was a great pick. I think Joe Burrow is still going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, but. I think the Bengals just have to entertain that is all I'm, is all I'm getting at. Um, but if and realistically, I think if they get the number one pick, trade down to three, get an ass load of picks, take Panay Sewell. I mean, that's that's the ideal situation. And then if yeah. Burrow somehow can't play again or if Burrow just isn't the same in a couple years, then you address it from there. You build the, you build the team. But, I, I yeah, that's, that's just kind of my thoughts on that. But uh, anyway. Yeah, and I, th- I think another thing that that kind of points out is how I mean it's it's pretty obvious to point out, but like how good Joe Burrow was is because at one point we were talking like how many games can they win the rest of the season? We might be picking you know somewhere around ten. Now people are one. saying, oh well, they can't so even go to one. So that's like that. I think that just shows how the well, obviously there's a huge difference between Burrow and Finley because when Burrow was in the game with Washington, I was like, oh, <laughs> they're gonna win this game. 
I had right. every belief that they were. And then as soon as Finley came in, I mean, it was that's something like, else I, I think we need to talk away. about because there there is some doubt on whether or not Joe Burrow is going to be here for the re- or be here for the start of the season if he's going to be available to play for, for Week One next year. I think you have. I mean, you have to go out there and sign a Jameis Winston, Cam yeah. Newton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, yeah. Mike Glenn, someone, someone with starting experience, even Andy Dalton, someone with starting experience that can come in and at least put us in the position to win games. Cause it sure as hell is not going to be Ryan Finley. And if you, if let's say Burrow's out for the first four weeks. Okay. If you can come out of those first four weeks, two and two, you're that's golden. I mean, but with Ryan Finley, you're not, you're not yeah. winning a game with Ryan Finley. I'm sorry, you're just not. He's he can't stretch the field. He has the literally the weakest arm in the NFL. He isn't fast. He can't escape the pocket, and he sits in the pocket too long. He's terrible. I mean, he's just so he's, bad. He's like I, looking back on it, I I have no idea why. Like this this staff, this staff to evaluate a Joe Burrow, they drafted Ryan Finley, and I don't know what they saw in him. I I, I never understood it. Not, it, only it was a, Not only did they draft him, they traded up to draft. Him. Yeah, they, they traded, traded up to draft. Him. They were like, I, exactly. I, think, I don't know if, I, if it was you, Jake. It might have been someone else, but I don't think it was you. I don't think we're, we've known each other that long. Um, but when that happened, I was on my on my main account before it got banned, unfortunately. <laughs> and I forget, I think Amani Orari was on the board still. Uh, Blake Cashman was on the board still. Guy, <laughs> really good prospects were still on the board. And when the Bengals traded up into the top of the fourth round, I got so excited because I'm like, the Bengals couldn't be this stupid, right? Like, there's no way they're this stupid. Ryan Finley. Uh, where do you go? North Carolina? Right? No, not North Carolina. Yeah, um, NC State. They drafted two guys from NC State last year. NC State. NC State. Right I was just pissed. I was so mad. Yeah. But. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, like everyone, I'm not a huge Ryan Finley fan. I, just, I feel bad for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, too, just. Going from Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, we we were on track to have 2,000-yard receivers with Tyler Ward and T. Higgins. And yeah. now – No, you're not. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just such a bad situation. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a difference. I'm not – I mean, I I definitely have less of a – Oh, know, my God. <laughs> to want to watch, watch the Bengals now with Ryan Finley than Joe Burrow. Like, even though they weren't winning a lot of games – I mean, they had two wins, but – I was excited every week to see Joe Burrow right. play. Now it's just like, well, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, I don't see us winning another game. And uh, that's I, – I think there's no chance that we get the number one pick because I don't – I think the Jets have two winnable games left. Yeah. They need to win three for us to get the first pick. So I, I really don't see us getting the first pick barring a miracle. Um, but I think I think we're going to end up getting two or three. Maybe four, but probably two or three. Yeah. Anyways, um, so – since we have all the boys on here, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some draft now. I, we weren't planning on you know getting into the draft stuff in terms of Bengals this early, but uh, you know the desperate times, desperate desperate times call for desperate measures, and the times have certainly changed. The, the the tables have turned, so we're gonna talk some draft now. Glaring needs on this team: corner, edge, offensive line. So I think we should start with the cornerback class. Because I actually really like this corner class. I think it's better than last year's. And um, I'm looking well, are at. We assuming, are we assuming we're losing William Jackson and or Mackenzie Alexander? Or what are we assuming? Well, I, I, think think need a, I think there's a need. I think there's a need at corner, anyways. Whether we, we I, resign them I or really not, don't. I really don't. I think you have Trey Wayne's coming back, and I I don't like Trey Wayne's, but the Bengals do, and he's going to start no matter what. I think if you bring William Jackson back, he's a starter. And I think Mackenzie Alexander is a good slot corner. And then you have Darius Phillips as your fourth corner, who's an excellent fourth corner. I think if you bring back those two guys, I think you have a good cornerback unit. All right. I mean, that's fair. So, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not saying if they re-sign William Jackson, they're going to take Caleb Fairley in the top of the first round. Like, but, um, okay, so let's let, let's go to Edge. Because Edge is a glaring need whether, whether they re-sign Carl, Carl Lawson or not. Correct. Correct. That's, that's yeah. I'll agree. Yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I think this edge class that echo echo that echo. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. So I, I'll <laughs> cut it out and then. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. So that's fair. So, but I think there's a glaring needed edge whether we resign Carl Lawson or not. Correct. We, we, we I would agree, agree on that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so, and 
you know, look, looking at this edge class, this this edge class, first of all, last year's edge class, big no, was not a big fan of it. This year's edge class to start wasn't a big fan of it, but as I'm getting into these players, I mean, I could have seven, eight of these guys in my top 50. Like, I'm going down the list. Top of the line, Gregory Rozu, of course, probably probably going to be uh, out of our price yeah. range. Um, edge number two right now is, is our boy from Michigan, Quiddy Pay. Is, is that how you pronounce his name? I believe so, yeah. But but, yeah. but but going down the line, I think two formidable targets. Jalen Phillips, who has been off the charts this year from Miami. Greg Rozier opted out. Uh, Jalen Phillips, and also from, from Miami, uh, Quincy Roche, has been phenomenal too, filling up, the, filling up the stat sheet for the Hurricanes. So Jalen Phillips and Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh are two guys, both playing the ACC. Um, you, you could definitely see in stripes next year. Guys, your thoughts? Um, so I, I'm a big fan of pay. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Patrick Jones. I, mm-hmm. I really don't like uh, Gregory Rousseau at all. <clears throat> I think I'll end up with a second or maybe a third round grade on him. Okay. I think he's very overrated. Um, I, I imagine my, my edge one this year will likely be Patrick Jones. Um, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Jones. I think he has anything you look for in an edge. Uh, great bend, really good hands really powerful at that point of contact. I think he's the guy that he he's going to be the guy that I'm going to really fall in love with who will probably go late round one. Um, other than that, though, the three guys that I really love for the Bengals are uh, Jason Owe, mm-hmm. and uh, he's out of Penn State. And uh, I also love the other Penn State edge rusher, Shaka Tony. Oh, those yes. are my oh, yes. love those fits. I love those fits a lot. Um Shaka Tony is probably the bendiest, most Brian Burns-like edge rusher in this class. Love him, especially if you could steal him in the third round. Uh, Jason Owe, I'd be fine taking him second, third round. I'd even take Shaka Tony round two. I mean, I, I'm going to have a round, run, round one grade on Shaka Tony, uh, but I think you can get him later than that. And uh, also Chris Rump, and I've been on him for a while. Uh, Chris Rump is very bendy as well. Uh, his He's been very productive. His his main issue is his size. He's I think he's 236 pounds. So you realistically you'd, you'd want him to get closer to 250 than anything. Uh, but those are all the guys I really love at that edge position for the Bengals. Um, and Aiden Hutchinson, I, I know a lot of people like him. I don't imagine I'll be as high on him as a lot of people are. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people have him touted as a round one grade. I'm I'm not there yet, uh, but I'm willing to keep an open mind at least. Like. Yeah, and you guys are kind of hitting the nail on the head. I mean, I think this is a good – it's a pretty solid edge rushing class this year, in my opinion. There's a lot of guys I like. And one guy I think that – I think I like more than most people, I would say. I would say I don't really know right now, but he's a little bit lower ranked than the guys you brought up, and that's Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. And I know he's going to be – he's not going to be as high as some of those other guys. But, you know, going into this year, he was – he was pretty productive in in run defense, and I think that this year he kind of proved that he can be productive in pass defending too. You know, his sack numbers are a lot better, so I think he's someone you got to consider. And I think right now, I have I have Russo as my edge rusher one right now. I mean, it'll definitely change. Maybe not him number one, but my order is definitely going to change. And like you said, guys like Awe and Pay, they're up there too, and Rump. And I think that you know, closer to the draft, we're going to find out you know who's who's better than others, but I think they're going to have plenty of options, you know, in the second, third round to find that, you know, second, third. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I I think there's realistically, there's like six or seven guys I'd be really happy with day two for edge rushers. Um, I I really wouldn't even hate trading back into the first round for a guy like Patrick Jones or Jason Owe. Uh, Those guys are just, they're studs. And uh, I think Greg Rousseau would be out of that range. I think I'd be okay with taking him late round one, but I'm I'm not nearly on the train of Greg Rousseau top ten like a lot of people are. I think there's, I think he's going to be the product of a not having a Chase Young, Miles Garrett, Nick Joey Bosa. He's not on that level, and people are just going to look at him and say, "Oh, he's on that level," but he's really not. I think he's going to be. If you guys remember the Jadavion Clowney draft. And I think J.D. Von Clowney was a lot better than Greg Rousseau coming out. But Clowney was drafted number one overall because he was an edge rusher in a, in a bad class. And I think we're going to see something similar to that this year with Greg Rousseau. I have a, 
Have you guys? I mentioned yeah, him. Roche, I mentioned yeah. him a little bit. It is Roche, actually. I I watched the broadcast last night against okay. uh, against VTech. It, it is Roche. And, and look, Roche and Phillips. Like Miami has three guys who are going to get drafted probably in the top seventy, which is ridiculous. Like the fact that Rozu opted out and Miami is still, I think, tenth top ten in sacks and top ten in pressures this year. That's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, what do you think? What do you guys? How do you guys view Micah Parsons? Because I, I think Micah Parsons is a generational linebacker that will never be in stripes. You just can't. <laughs> well, well, listen, listen. I, I ask this question because I, I see a lot of people classifying Micah Parsons as a defensive end. I don't and personally. Personally, I see him as an off-ball linebacker that is very, very, very good blitzing. Yes, um, similar. I, I, to, I definitely agree. Uh, who is the Wisconsin linebacker that everyone wanted the Bengals to draft last year? Zach Bond. Zach Bond. I think he's similar oh, to Zach uh, Bond, yeah. where he's a really good linebacker, an off-ball linebacker who can rush the passer, but he's not. He's not a. He's not like T.J. Watt. He's not like. Uh, fuck, I can't think of another name. <laughs> he's not like T.J. Watt, where he's a pass rusher first who can drop into coverage. He's a guy that's going to be an off-ball linebacker first right. who's going to put on third downs. Personally, I don't think we have. We, we just drafted three really good linebackers. We have Jermaine Pratt. I don't think we have room for another linebacker. And if we, we did draft him, it would be to play purely defensive end. And if he had done that in college, I have no doubt he'd be the best edge rusher in this class, but he didn't. So I think as an edge rusher, realistically, he's a late first, early second round pick if you're playing him just as a pure, pure uh, pass rusher. But he's going to be drafted much higher than that because he, like you said, he's a generational defensive player. He's, he's a linebacker that can do a lot of different things. He's generational because of his versatility. He's not generational because he does one thing really good. I want to, uh, I want to get your thoughts, your guys' thoughts. If you've seen any of him, uh, I, I did have some bets in for the Tulsa game. So I did keep my eyes on it and uh, the Tulsa two lane game and Zavin Collins, I've heard the name before the game, and I saw him play. The guy is an absolute stud. Like, I don't think he's going to be an NFL off-ball linebacker. He's going to play edge eventually. He's going to make the move to edge. And <laughs> the guy is an absolute superstar. I haven't – yeah, I've, I haven't actually gotten to him yet or, like, looked at anything, but I've heard, like, tremendous things about him. So, I'm – He's definitely someone I'm gonna be checking out soon, but like I said, I haven't really. I haven't yeah, I'm not gonna lie; I've like never even heard anything. of him. So really, okay. No, I, I, admittedly, I've been not very in tune with college football this this year. Just with the semester being all online, I just haven't had the time. So my 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 plan of attack this for this season has been to just watch everything after like over winter break. And uh, get caught up then. And winter break for me starts in about a week and a half. So there you go. right now I'm very not in tune with uh, the 2020 season as it pertains to prospects. I've been watching some guys here and there. I've been paying attention to the big teams and some of the players I really like, like Chris Rumpf, Patrick Jones, pretty much everyone I just named uh, there. But in terms of smaller guys like Collins, I, I really haven't been looking too All hard. Right. Uh, I want to bring in one other name because you, you, you talked about um, whoever's bend it was, Patrick Jones. So Patrick Jones' bend comparable to, to Brian Burns, who we all fell in love with. You oh, know. no, no, no. Shaka, Shaka Tony. Right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shaka Tony's Shaka bend, Tony. who we all, uh, you know, we all fell in love with, with Brian Burns, you know, and how he fell to 16 or 17 is beyond any of us. But so go to Georgia. I'm going to butcher this name. Aziz Ojulari. Um, I watched a bit of him when uh, – when um, uh, Georgia played, I don't remember. I don't remember which which game it was, but the guy said twenty seven total pressures this year in seven games, five sacks. He's lit. He's he's lit. He's lit up the stat sheet. Six three two forty, and he he is as bendy as they come. And um, I was talking to someone late last night or late the the night before. He's probably gonna be a first round pick. Like he's gonna get a first round grade from me. And I cannot wait to, to, to fully watch this guy because he is as bendy, he's as shifty uh, of an edge rusher as, as they come, really. And, and, and he's, he's great in the run, too. 
Yeah, that's that's another guy that I I've heard a little bit about, but I haven't seen it like seen much yet. But uh, like like you said, uh, he he sounds like he's been like he's gonna go pretty high. Like some of the stuff I've seen on like Twitter and stuff. So yeah, that's another guy I definitely need to check out. There's a lot. There's, there's a lot of like them. So many and there are a lot of them from like from high powered schools. I mean, we we got two, yeah. two from Penn State, three from Miami, uh, two two from Pittsburgh. Um, guy we didn't even mention, Rashad Weaver from Pittsburgh, who has had better stats this year than Patrick Jones. I released a tweet earlier about Pittsburgh. Uh, Patrick Jones is top five in almost every pressure stat. Uh, in the ACC, Rashad Weaver is number one in every single pressure stat in the ACC, including uh, overall grade. He has a grade over 90, I believe. So R- Rashad Weaver has really made some money this season so far uh, with, with all the ACC eyes on him. So, you know, a l- lot of guys from the ACC school, like multiple guys from each schools. Um, yeah, I mean, That's we got two well. from Duke, right? Yeah, uh there's yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that the ACC the man with these with uh, these edge rushers is, is ridiculous this year. Yeah, I think this is a year where you you almost have to attack the edge rusher position like we did linebacker position last year. Take advantage of a really great deep class and just double dip, triple dip. I mean, <clears throat> ideally, I think you need to get one of those first second round guys and pay away uh, Ojulari like you just mentioned. And then you need to come back in the, either the third or fourth round, take someone like Rumpf, Shaka Tony, uh, the other Duke edge rusher, uh, maybe look at that Weaver guy that you were talking about that that plays with Patrick Jones. I admittedly have not watched him yet, but guys like that who are playing really well and just make sure we double dip at that position and make sure we're actually getting our toes in the water and solving solving some holes. Yep. Yeah, and, you, and even if you don't, you know, take another swing at it that early, like get another edge rusher. There's even guys that I think that are going to go in the fifth or sixth round that, I mean, they're not going to be as good, but like people like Dalen Hayes and Federian Mathis, I think they're, they're going to be like solid uh, at least. And so they're, they're going to have plenty of options. I think, I think you do have to take two, even if I would prefer, you know, obviously having one of the early guys and someone like Rump, but even if you get one later, just right. And I think you have to kind of be worried about, losing Lawson, and I think losing Lawson kind of changes your approach a little bit because with the type of edge rusher Lawson is, Lawson is, he wins with his hands. He's, a lot of people think he's some bendy edge rusher that wins with bend. He really doesn't. I mean, coming out of the draft, he was, his his big issue was he was stiff. He didn't have much bend, but he wins with his hands. Yep. I think if if we lose Lawson, I think you kind of have to try and fill his mold with a, maybe a quitty pay type guy who, that isn't necessarily the bendiest guy. Um, and then your second edge rusher can come back and be a bendier guy like Shaka Tony, Chris Rump, et cetera. Uh, but if you if you don't lose Lawson, I think that kind of opens things up a little more. And I, I wouldn't let that stop me from drafting a guy like Quiddy Pay, but I think that lets you kind of more focus on a, a bendier guy like Chris Rump, Shaka Tony, Patrick Jones, someone like that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think you like, even if you don't lose Lawson, you probably should address it at the second round, maybe even trade, trade up into the first, but I think we should move on. Let's go to the offense and talk about, you know, the guard position, which, which has been a very talked about position for, for the Bengals forever. Uh, I mean, they didn't draft a guard last year um, right. and you know, they, Surely should draft one this year, maybe even sign someone. But it's a position that that has sort of depth right now. But there's there's really not that one guy. Um, as as far as overall class goes, there's two guys who were who were getting first second round buzz last year who did not declare: Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, who both of them are are pretty solid so far in 2020 in terms of of PFF stats. Uh, Trey Smith really has sort of struggled, but he, but you know he's so going to give you tons of good stuff in the run game. Good pass pro uh, as well. And Creed Humphrey has played center. He's played guard. So both those guys are going to get first round buzz. Um, if the Bengals were to go IOL at the top of the second round, look, which look, a lot of Bengals fans wanted them to go IOL uh, at, at the top of the second round at, at pick 33 this past year. They didn't because Cesar, uh, Cesar Ruiz did, did end up going in the first round. That led out of them getting T Higgins. So Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith are still there. Wyatt Davis, of course, probably going to go first round. Iowa number one for most people. But a guy I want to talk about who I, I 
released a tweet earlier uh, from USC. An- another guy, I'm going to struggle to pronounce his name, but Aliha Vera Tucker, who was the Pac-12's best pass-blocking guard last year. He moved to tackle this year to replace Austin Jackson, is now the Pac-12's uh, highest-graded pass-blocking tackle. So a guy who, who, who's versatile, probably not going to be an NFL tackle. He's going to move back to guard eventually, but he's been very well at, he's done very well at tackle this year. A guy who probably isn't going to go first round just because he hasn't played guard. And he's not going to, you know, he hasn't played guard since last year. So a guy that if the Bengals were to go IOL in the second round, uh, he's a guy who certainly has been in the spotlight this year through three games for USC. A, a guy that I think the Bengals should be targeting very heavily right now. Yeah, my, my issue with Garrett Tucker, and I've actually done a little bit yeah, of homework me- on him, is I. Because, like you said, he he just played tackle this year. I watched some of him last year when I was watching. I was watching some USC player. Probably and if I remember, Austin Jackson. <laughs> Jackson. What you say? You were probably when you were probably watching Austin Jackson and and, and puking, right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Same um, my thing with Vera Tucker is, I I feel like he got bullied. I I remember him just kind of the longer the play was, if like three step drops, he was kind of okay. But shotguns and five-step drops, he was very like I, – I just feel like he was bullied. He was pushed back a lot. He's not and, very a- athletic, and that's probably why he's not going to be an NFL tackle. He's a little bit undersized. Um, he, he's barely pushing 300, which is not great for a tackle. Um, but um, yeah. he's probably going like to move inside well, the guard. For a guard. Like I'm not right, – right, I'm not right. great about that as a tackle. I mean, Jonah Williams, I think, came, came in like at 310 or something like – but at, at guard, I think you have to be you have to be super strong. You have to be very you have to be big guy. And I, I don't think you can be a three hundred pound guard. I mean, I I was looking at uh, recently. I was looking on uh, position splits and the weights for the average weight for each position. The only position where you can really be three hundred pounds and be successful on the interior offensive line is center. You can't really do it at guard. You just it's it's you just need to be bigger. So. For I me, I, I, I'm not undersized, though. I, I mean, I mean, he, he's he's not he's not an uh, an athletic tackle. He's not athletic enough to play tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. Well, how um, how many how much does he weigh? Right now, uh, the draft network has him at six four three hundred, which means about nothing right now. But it's just a baseline. We'll see what he measures at, at the combine. So he is eligible he be, for the Senior Bowl. Okay, so he would be thirtieth percentile in weight for a guard. Okay. Actually, I lied. Actually, I lied. That was just offensive lineman. For a guard, he would be. How much did you say he weighed? Three hundred right now. Yeah, so he'd be he'd be twenty seventh percentile, uh, in terms of weight for a guard. And do we know we don't have any other measurables? Do we? What's his height? Six four. And that he's average in height. So right. I don't know. To me, that's I'm I'm kind of overtaking the. I, I, if I'm going to take a guard that high, I need to be sure of him. And that kind of just goes to my point. I'm not taking Creed Humphrey. Um, I think he's going to be a fine prospect, but we can't afford to swing and miss on a guard this high. Creed Humphrey is a center more than he is a guard. Yeah. Uh, Creed Humphrey has really short arms. Yep. I agree there. I'm, those are That's my main worry with him. I feel like we've been down that road with Billy Price, and I'm not sure I want to take that gamble again. Um, in terms of Trey Smith, I'm, I think I would take Trey Smith top of round two, uh, if they wanted to go guard, but I'd much rather take one of those edges, uh, a Chris Olave, Rondell Moore, uh, even a Devonta Smith, like guy, I would rather take guys like that, um, over a, an offensive, a second offensive lineman in round two. Cause I'm assuming we're going Sewell round one at this point. Right, right. Yeah. What do you guys I like him a lot. Um, but I think he's a tackle. I think he's a tackle next level. From North. Oh, yeah. Was he? He was um, like six, six, five. Three, I think he's, he's like. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. Well, I the one thing that's kind of worried me about him was I know Chase Young is a beast, but like. His tape against Chase Young. But you got to remember, he's was, playing on Northwestern. I mean, I mean it's pretty bad. He's not but playing that, next to anything too good. But, yeah, he's. I think he's 6'4". Yeah, 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 I just looked up 6'4", 315. 
Um, but yeah, I think he's a tackle if I'm yeah, not mistaken. So PFF has him at tackle. Um, and so he opted out, I believe, this year. I don't think he's playing this yeah, year, right? He did. Um, yeah, he, he had, so PFF had him at the Ohio State Chase Young game last year in 2019 was the only game where he allowed uh, multiple pressures. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, so he's been pretty solid. I just I'd have him as tackle. I, I'm very against tackle. moving good tackles to guard. Yep. Um, but as kind of staying on that topic, though, I think Wyatt Davis is the only guy I'd consider uh, strongly over those edge rushers and a Chris Olave at the top of round two. He's the only guy I could really uh, make a good argument for, I guess. I would agree there, um, really. I, I don't think it's a very good class overall. I mean, there were some there guys, was. you know, think about John Simpson, uh, uh, Logan Stenberg, guys who were very good in the run game last year. Bengals didn't didn't go they just didn't you know they valued the linebacker position Bengals <laughs> haven't valued guards at all like in free agency or draft uh you know in, in in recent years it's just not something that they valued they let Kevin Zeitler walk for very very cheap and you know they have not addressed guard very high in the draft when they do it they the pictures didn't work out so but I definitely think I'm I'm with you 100% Jay in terms of you know passing on Humphrey maybe even Trey Smith it depends which edge guys are up there guys are up. edge yep. is a, is a just a, a such a glaring need like the Bengals need a pass rush they have not had a pass rush at all this year and it's really really affected their defense because their coverage has been very very good down the stretch like when when guys are on the field takeoff last week against Pittsburgh the Bengals coverage defense has been very good like like knock off the second half against Cleveland the, the second game against Cleveland and parts of the Tennessee game. And, and then last week, the, the Bengals coverage defense has been very, very formidable this year down the field with no pass rush, like zero pass rush. There hasn't been any. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to look into it. I mean, I think it's a huge need. It's, it's went from being like, I, I did kind of like a little article on it earlier in the year, and I had it like five or something like that. But it's it's shot up, and it's like it's becoming more of a need to me like every week. Like yeah, as, so as um, let's talk about corner a little bit before we uh, switch off or before we, we finish off this show. I think I'm going to have three corners in my top ten, guys. And like <laughs> I'm not talking just in particular for the Bengals. I think Patrick Sardain, Caleb Fairley, and Jace Horn are going to be – in my top 10 this year. I, I, I really do. Like, I love all of them. I probably won't have... I'll, Sertain will probably be... Fair, I think Fairley will be in there. Sertain might be in there. I'll have it first on JC Horn. Um, but I don't I don't think it'll be top 10. I think it'll be closer to top 20. Right now, I see my, my top 10 shaking out to be... There's going to be probably at least... There's going to be two QBs three wide receivers, two tight ends, and probably like two two edge rushers and then a corner. Maybe two corners instead of two edge rushers, but I, it's it's going to be close. I think it's going to be tight this year. I really like the tight. Oh, I forgot about, Mike, about Micah Parsons too. Oh, so yeah, yeah it's going to be close. I'll probably have Burrow – not Burrow, fuck. <laughs> Lawrence – Lawrence Fields, Waddle, Chase, Pitts. Uh, Are you gonna have Fairmuth Parsons. in your top ten? Yeah, Fire Pitts, Firemuth, uh, Parsons, Moses. Um, Moses in your top ten. Moses, Moses in my top. Moses probably won't be linebacker two for me. That's bold. Um, Caleb Barry, dude, the, barely the, working there. So Kane's probably ten or eleven or twelve. Dude, the kid from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Koromoa, is really good. Uh, I I gave him a initial mid first last week. Um, haven't I? I haven't done Moses yet, but um, dang, I'm looking. <laughs> at, I'm I'm looking at him on TDN right now. He's 210 pounds. No, but this kid from Notre Dame, I'm telling you, is. Well, he's gonna need to add weight. Like I, I, I have this right here. Might need to add weight. <laughs> Probably will need the to. Biggest, add weight. My biggest thing with linebackers is <laughs> one instincts, two shedding blocks, and three coverage. 
I don't. He's probably not shedding blocks at six two two fifteen, is he? Like, I think that's probably. I haven't watched him. I'm not going to pretend like I watched him. And not overly looks, shedding blocks. Yeah, that's that's that'd be my worry with I, someone that's. I'm guessing he's not very powerful either. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, not really overly powerful. I, I, I have him here. Might need to add weight. Not overly powerful and not great closing speed, but he's a great finisher. He plays fast in the short area, and he is easily the best coverage linebacker that I've watched so far, both in man-to-man and in zone. They had him in man-to-man a lot for whatever reason in, in the Notre Dame's defense. Like, he was going up against wide receivers, like, in the slot um, and and doing a pretty I – mean, I mean, he's built like a corner, 6'1", 216. That's a big corner right there. So, um, really good man. <laughs> he's certainly built like a corner. You're, I'll give you that. <laughs> no, but but – they they literally had like lined him up in the slot against receivers and he was holding his own more and, and more. Um but anyways, yeah. I mean yeah. Back back to the corners. Uh guy who I've heard a lot about, haven't watched him yet, Eric Stokes from Georgia. Um we all know about Sean Wade, consensus top three corner five months ago, not uh, anymore. I I mean he okay. he, he got no like yeah, you, we were, <laughs> and then a guy who who I didn't did a report on uh, last week, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, guy who was on my watch list all preseason, uh, and then throughout the first couple of weeks, finally got to him. Was really really impressed by him, and then a guy who who um was supposed to be in the draft last year, Paulson Adibo from Stanford, who is kind of falling, um, but really was on like 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 first round radar preseason. Six one one ninety. He's kind of small, but. Solid corner there. I mean, if the Bengals want to go corner, there's a ton of guys. I like Tyson Campbell from Georgia, too. Um, I like Chase Lucas from Arizona State. I think Arizona State secondary is very underrated, and he's been one of those you know reasons. Same with Jack my favorite. Brown, my favorite late-round corner slash mid-round corner is TJ Carter. I don't know if you've watched him. I'm not. Uh, I'm a huge fan of TJ Carter. I think he can play outside or inside. Super good press corner. Uh, just really just overall super. I think he's pretty athletic too. I mean, he's not, he's not going to run a four two five, but I think he's going to be athletic enough, uh, to stay, stay with pretty much any wide receiver sans Tyree kill. Uh, he just, he plays so fluid. He, he's just such a fluid player. I, I love him a lot. He's, he's so good. Um, but he's a guy that I think could be a steal in like the fourth or fifth round, just absolute steal. Uh, 5'11", 190, so he's he's a thicker boy at 5'11", 190, but he's not, like, fat or anything. I mean, I think 5'11", 190 is, like, enough to be physical, um, but he's he's not going to be able to match up against another team's X receiver, but in the slot, I mean, that's that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean – oh, yeah, sorry. No, it's like you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think – oh, you yeah. <laughs> I just say, I'm pretty sure you guys know who I'm going to bring up at corner. Uh, been been my guy for a while, and I've been kind of campaigning for him. But uh, you know, Ali Green out of Tulsa. You know, he's six three, two oh six. He's a bit, he's a big corner, but he's athletic. He's very physical, and uh, he's shown these. Well, Tulsa doesn't run a whole lot of zone, but he's he's capable in zone for sure. And I think that right now, there's very few people that have him up there. I'm probably going to end up having a first round grade on him. But, you know, as of right now, I think he would be an absolute steal in, like, some, like, round four. I think that he's someone that they should for sure keep on their radar. And then there's, a you know, there's some other guys I like at corner, uh, definitely in, like, round, you know, round two, uh, like you guys brought up. Um, shoot, hold on. Lost my list. Uh, I had a uh, yeah, I like a Debo a little bit. I Zone corner, before. zone corner. You know, Can't have it. Flipping both ways on him, and then uh, st- <clears throat> yeah, I know. I you I you said that last time I brought him. I was I, never. I everyone had him like top I, ten I before he came back to the to, yeah, to school last year. I really just did not see it. I mean, he is just. I think he's going to get eaten alive on anything that's not a vertical route. He'll be fine on post routes, corner routes, like verts. <clears throat> The second someone tries to run an in route or a drag route on him, he's going to get his shit eaten alive. Yeah, I mean, that's very fair. I, I mean, I'm just – I'm kind of excited to see what we can do in the NFL. I know I like him in college. But, you know, uh, 
J.C. Horn, like you guys <laughs> said, uh, I haven't really got into him much, but, you know, he looks really good. Another guy I like a lot is, uh, I want to make sure I say it right, Diamador Lenore. He's another guy that I've, you know, maybe not. I just had an oh shit moment, guys. J.C. Guy Horn is like younger corner. than me. I don't like uh, that. He's 20. He, I was, I turned 20 in July. 20. No, he's 19 right now. He turns 20 in two days. He turns, 20. he's not even 20 yet. That's crazy to me. Too. He's going to be 20 years old I've for turned... his first uh, NFL season, pretty much. Shit. Sewell is, aren't we? He turned, so I'm like a month school? older than Sewell. Yes, he turned 18 and, or he turned 20 in August. Yeah. I'm a little older than Sewell. So I'm older than Sewell. Yeah. yeah I wonder I got, how old your team is. I got, and, uh, I got a few more years until, you know, I have that, that kind of oh shit moment. I mean, I'm kind of living it with uh, baseball right now. I have a few buddies um, that are going to get drafted this this upcoming year who are who are younger than me. And, you know, it's kind of weird. But a few more years until football, you know, uh, until I have those kind of oh shit moments for the NFL. <laughs> but that's that's crazy to think about that they're 20 and you know that's that's really young for a prospect 20. Mine, mine happens about every week because like I watch Ohio State and Garrett Wilson is a freak and he's mm-hmm. what is he's 19. He's young. He was a true freshman last year. So I have that every week because he's I mean yeah. I know we're a long way out from him getting drafted by like him a lot. Anyways, um do we have any corners? Anyone else? J.C. Horn is my guy, I think. Uh, but it sounds like you might be higher on him than I am. Uh, other than T.J. Carter, T.J. Carter's kind of been my favorite guy of recent. Uh, recently, um, trying to think. No, I think that's I think that's it for me. Alrighty, I mean we we did a lot today. Uh, definitely more yeah. where that came from. Jay, we will definitely have you on again. Uh, but thank you yeah. everybody for listening. To episode four of the Bengals Report podcast, I am Jake Circus. He is Blake Jewel. We will see you once again next week. Have a good night, everybody. Yep. See you. All righty. Sweet.